Welcome to Take 10 for Mental Health. We are conversations with inspiring people about how they manage their mental health. My name is Sophia Hatsis. I'm the host of the show and I get the privilege of bringing you these conversations every week. We speak to people from all walks of life, like Gotcha for Life founder Gus Wallen. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. I truly believe that vulnerability is a new way to lead. There's stuff that we do that is good. And there's stuff that we just don't know what we're doing. It's nothing wrong with being human and explaining that to the people that you love. Episodes drop on Monday, so make sure you're subscribed and you're the first to know when they're available. Welcome to Take 10 for Mental Health. My name is Sophia. I'm the host of the show. And today we are joined by CJ in the studio. We're in Sound Film Studios in Ultimo today for a live podcast. So welcome, CJ. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Very excited to talk to you today. It's been a long time coming. It has been. It's been three. I think we've attempted three times. But like I've said to you um, in the messages, I'm a massive believer of divine timing. So I'm never too stressed out on um, when things happen. I just believe that when God puts it in front of me, then it's ready to go. But we're here now. so I'm so grateful for your patience. It has been a long road. There's been COVID. There's been a whole bunch of life getting in the way, but I'm very yeah. excited to have you here. So one of the first questions or the first question that I want to ask you, CJ, is a question that I ask all my guests when we first start, which is you to think about how you are on a scale of one to 10. So one being the lowest of lows, mm-hmm. 10 being the highest of highs. Where would you say you sit on that scale today? I'm at a 10. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at a 10. And, I, and I'll unpack that. Why? Because I'm always, I'm present in this moment. Mm-hmm. And right now where I'm sitting with you, the energy in this room, I'm a 10 because I'm here right now. Yeah. 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 I really like the way that you approach life. And we're going to get to that because it's part of the reason that I've got you on the podcast. And mm-hmm. part of the reason I asked you here was because I've seen your story sort of play out on social media in a way where you've been really honest about where you've come from, yeah. where you went and who you've become. And we're going to start all the way back in your childhood because it's a very fundamental part of your story. Yeah. And um, you were unfortunately very violently abused as a child yeah. by your family member. Yeah. And can you talk, speak a little bit to the impact that that had on you growing up? Because you've spoken about yeah. how you would like put extra layers of clothing on every day. Yep. Fearing your dad coming home. Um, well, it, it, ultimately, it ultimately was the reason I became who I initially became earlier, early on in my adulthood. As I now understand, a child from the ages of zero to seven, they predominantly operate from a brainwave state of uh, brainwave state of theta, which is um, beta, which is awake, delta, which is sleep, and then theta, which is in the middle, which is the most relaxed brainwave state, which is where you're taking everything in mm. as a child. You're just, just like a sponge, right? So when I was younger, my father was an extremely abusive man. There was moments I, like my entire childhood, me, my, myself and my siblings was – pretty much trying to live like, yeah, we were in survival mode. So when you're talking post-traumatic stress disorder, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, which is what children go through that experience these types of extremities during childhood. So it's like you're in a war pretty much. You're, you're, I was waking up every day praying to God uh, that we would make it out of that day alive. When my dad would come back home from work, we would um, – run into our rooms, grab just, I'm talking six to seven, eight 
pairs of pants because when my dad came home, it was just a three. It was a free fall. It was it was two by four planks of woods, metal poles, vacuum poles, uh, whatever he could get his hands on, knives. I watched him. I've watched him whip my mom with like extension cords wrapped around extension cords, like like this man. And and I love him now. I love him now because because for me, I understand that from his level of consciousness and from from his place of awareness, he was just doing the best that he could mm. with what he was given, which has been happening for generations of my life and my family. That pain has become a pattern. Mm. So until I realized that, and it's funny because I always never agreed with what my dad did. He was the most violent, abusive man. I didn't really know him. I didn't really sit down and get to – he's alive now, obviously, still, um, and I love him to bits, and I've spoken to him um, in my most recent past. But, yeah, it was – it's funny because I never liked what he did, but I ultimately became that because it's you, – you, if you're not aware of what you're doing and what you're patently conditioned to be able to um, become because of who you're around – then you're not going to catch it. So it wasn't until I caught it in 2016, I, I really caught it and I dived straight into trying to heal yeah. what had happened to me. And thank you for sharing that. That's mm. obviously very difficult to, to speak of and, and you've come to a really great place with it. And mm. I want to speak to you more about what happened directly after that because you played rugby league for quite yeah. a few years and you've spoken about how – Rugby league was a bit of a band-aid, right? It was like something that you yeah. were good at that you could escape to yeah. um, and you're a great athlete. Mm. Um, can you speak a little bit to what rugby league was like and that team mentality was like for you living still in an abusive house, yeah. what those years were like as you grew up? Rugby league, it acted as like my saviour at a time where I really needed something. I didn't know this then but I know now when I reflect back that rugby league was there as kind of like a guardian angel for me because it was the only kind of love that I had. I didn't, you know, the love that I thought I had, I wouldn't even say that I knew what love was because what I understood love to be was what my father was giving me. So I didn't know love to be what it is now, which is the unconditional place of which I come from now. But um, that's what rugby league was to me. It was love. It was something that I could play and I could be around like-minded boys and my coaches and it was something that I really enjoyed and it brought joy to my life for, for, for a second or for the 80-minute period or for the Tuesday, Thursday that I was at training as a kid, it took me away from the war that I was fighting at home. So it, it saved my life at a period where I don't think I would have probably gotten through it if I didn't have rugby league. Yeah. And so I'm grateful for the sport and I love it. Yeah, we were just talking about before the Titans played last night. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get to that later. I'm sure we will. Oh, dear. But um, you did play under-20s for the Titans and yeah. at a very elite level, and I've heard you talk a little bit about the brotherhood that you experienced yeah. in sport. Yeah, I think that's a lot of the reason why I came out of that and I went to gangs because mm. it's very similar. Like, I, and I, and I empathise with sports people that – that, that come out of sport and do have that drama of going into that kind of lifestyle because it's very similar. If you look at it from a hindsight point of view, a hindsight point of view, you've got the camaraderie, you've got a group of like-minded people, you have 
a similar goal to each and every one of your brothers. And it's it's just a good place for you to be a man, so I thought, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, it's very similar to 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 being in a gang. Obviously not as not nearly as close, but the fundamental values are there. Like why why I went from that to being in gangs is because not only is it was it all that I knew and it was how I grew up with that violent background. It was also like these are my friends. This is like sport. I didn't know anything else other than rugby league. So yeah. it was the most similar thing to rugby league that I saw with my perspective. Yeah. And let's speak a little bit to that, um, to going and moving into gangs because you joined the Hells Angels and um, obviously got quite a dark period and violent yeah. period in your life, I'm assuming as well. Um, mm. Can you talk a little bit about what that affiliation and the violence was like at that time? The the years that I spent in the club, I was just a it was a physical manifestation of what had happened throughout my entire childhood and young adolescent life. That was just the bang. That was like where it all just went, okay, this is what you've been going through within. And I'm grateful to God that it chose this particular club for me because I've always had a I've always had a spiritual connection. It's, it's so weird I say this now, but I've always had a spiritual connection with angels. Mm. And the fact that God put me in that place to be able to learn the life lessons that I needed to learn to bring me here, I think if, 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 I'm, if I'm going to sit here and be now in my life and be extremely grateful for who I am today, I need to love all parts of where I've come from. And that particular time in my life was, was what I needed to, I needed to go through all that. Because for some people, um, they might get a fine to learn their lesson. You know, they might, they, might, they might just need to be told to learn their lesson. But for me and how I grew up, I needed to learn the hardest way possible. I wasn't going to learn my lesson unless I really went through some shit. So that, that lifestyle was just a physical manifestation of exactly what was boiling within my spirit, which was just anger. It was anger towards my father. That's where the core of it came from. It was, I remember when I was growing up, I always used to say, I'm not scared of nobody because my father's the only man that I will run from. Mm. And from that, I built up this unneeded anger towards humanity, which humans didn't deserve. It was just the fact that I, I wouldn't say that I failed to unpack it. I didn't know any better. Mm. You know, I was just operating from the place that I knew how to operate from. So until I realized that, that the way that I was carrying myself as a human being wasn't who I was brought onto this earth to be. And it wasn't who I innately was. I knew kind of, I knew kind of from a young age that I was a very soft human being. Um, and it was just society and the external and watching my father carry himself the way he did that made me this. Like I, I even look back at the way that I looked, mm. like it, like I just looked like I was carrying not just the weight physically, but I was carrying so much emotion, which was just manifesting itself into the physical world, which was weight for me. It was my facial expressions. Um, I was always so tense. I was I was never soft in the face, which um, inevitably made me an angry looking man. Like if you're walking around constantly like that. For an average of 66 days, it takes a human being an average of 66 days to make a, a behavior become second nature to them, an average of 66 days, right? So if I'm walking around like that all the goddamn time, mm. 
I'm going to wind up being an extremely angry human being. And from that, my energy is not going to be welcoming enough. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to welcome any, like now it's, it's so funny being me now almost with the awareness that I have, because I kind of jump outside of myself sometimes and I look at how I'm carrying myself. Like one of my biggest um, inspirations in life is Dr. Joe Dispenza. And he says, he says in an interview, he says, you can't change your personal reality unless you change your personality. You have to change your personality to change your personal reality because your personal reality is just the manifestation of what's going on within. So if I, if I change myself, I can change my perception on life. And, and in the day, back in the day, like no one would ever approach me or even ever felt safe to be able to open themselves up to me. But now like I'm, I'm out at work or like I'm at work and people will come and sit down and just pour their entire heart out to me. And I'm, I'm grateful for it, but I also know why that's the case because I've consciously tried and I've consciously I've consciously made myself be this person because, you know, I don't like to say that I'm a nice person, but I like to carry myself and be unconditionally kind because I consciously know that I'm carrying myself this way. Yeah. And that's come from me going through all these atrocities in life. I've been through tremendous amounts of pain. And the last thing that I ever want is for another human being to go through the same shit that I went through especially for me putting them through it. Mm. Because if I know... Take it down. I've seen... I've seen the amounts of pain that I've caused people. And I will never do that again. Thank you so much for listening to our interview with CJ Bloomfield. That was part one. Part two will be dropping very soon, so make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast so that you are the first to know when it drops. And please leave a review so that other people can find out about us. We'll be back soon with part two.